Well, Merry Christmas. The joy of the season will continue for at least a few more days as holiday lights twinkle, batteries that were installed and all the toys stay charged up, and memories of sugar plums continue to dance in our heads. Yet for some, this season brings great sadness. For others, the bleak winter months ahead are cause for anxiety and sorrow. As we move past the holidays, where do we find our comfort and hope? As we just read the story of Jesus raising Lazarus, did you note any hint of this theme of comfort and hope in the message? Well, let's explore what God has to offer us. Now, before we journey into the story of Lazarus and his friends, I believe that it's important to note that this model of comfort and hope has been present throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Sadness and suffering are not something new to our generation or any generation. There's been plenty of despair throughout the history of humankind. As we come to learn, God is present with God's people. God has been present with the people and God will continue to be present with the people. We just need to embrace this presence of God, understanding that we are simply not in control, but rather God is. Our sovereign God is in control. So as we begin our exploration of God's comfort and hope in our lives, I draw your attention to the prophet Isaiah. Listen to what Isaiah said to the nation of Israel, the people who had lost hope, the people who had seen their homeland fall and their temple destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Biblical scholar John Oswald writes, These people... The Israelites, these people needed to hear the word of God in ways that changed how they thought. That is what we need too. We need lives of faith that are shaped by the word of God, its view of reality, and the principles that emerge from it. Oswald continues, if we cannot believe God and hope in him in the sense of surrendering our lives to Him in a kind of way that pleases Him, then His power cannot transform us. But if we actively believe His Word, there are no limits to what He can do for me and for you, for our families and for our society. Now, we are not called necessarily to understand God or to understand why there is sadness suffering, despair, and hopelessness. We will never come to understand just how God works in the world and why anguish continues to impact our lives. But we can come to know how God's comfort and hope continue to shape our lives as faithful servants of the Lord. Not too long ago, I did a sermon on Uh, the Word of God, and specifically on the story of Exodus and how we interpret that story and how our interpretation may be different or my interpretation may be different than yours. But what is clear is 
God's word in each of us is that spark that provides the hope and comfort. When we find ourselves struggling with this sense of hopelessness, we often look for ways to dig ourselves out of our own sadness and sorrow. We may begin by questioning God. Why did this happen? Or or blaming others for our predicament. And we see this unfolding with Martha and Mary as Jesus arrives to find that Lazarus has already died. Did you note that both women remark to Jesus the same words? Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. You can sense the sadness and frustration in their tone. This is not uncommon for anyone who is grieving. Even the most faithful of people will experience these emotions, these emotions emotions of sadness and frustration. And we know that both Martha and Mary exemplified a strong faith in Jesus. They both were, were, were clearly faithful people. Martha affirms that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And Mary is the woman who we remember from the time that she anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Even those of great faith may have unrealistic and unmet expectations at the onset of sadness and sorrow as they look for comfort and hope. Yet, is it possible that Martha and Mary overlooked the obvious they seem to recognize the divine nature in jesus as the messiah and as the supreme healer martha even acknowledges that lazarus will rise again in the resurrection but they somehow fail to appreciate the comfort and hope that jesus brings in his mere presence as the resurrection and the life now it can be difficult for anyone to quantify comfort and hope especially in the spiritual realm scholars reinhardt feldmeyer and herman spiekermann in their text god of the living a biblical theology explain that hope is the longing for god whose love as the center and substance of life has the specific form that his people always need salvation from the entanglements of life whether self-made or maliciously devised by others. Here's the good news. God, loving God, is always present with us at our center and substance. God is present with us at our center and substance of life in the good times and the bad. Certainly, there is comfort and hope in knowing this, even if we don't actually feel God's presence in that very moment of our darkness. And that can happen. While we often experience unbearable isolation in the midst of this hopelessness, wondering where God might be, perhaps that manifests itself as denial or anger or depression or any of the stages of grief. We may, in fact, experience such despair during sudden moments of crisis or over the course of long-term predicaments. In these moments, it may be difficult 
to envision the light of day, let alone the light of Christ. Yet, God is with us. We are just recently reminded of this good news of comfort and hope in the Gospel of Matthew. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite uh, Christian spiritual caregivers, writes, I am increasingly impressed by the Christian possibility of celebrating not only moments of joy, but also moments of pain, thus affirming God's real presence in the thick of our lives. A true Christian always affirms life because God is the God of life, a life stronger than death and destruction. In God, we find no reason to despair. There is always reason to hope, even when our eyes are filled with tears. God is with us, just as Jesus was with Martha and Mary in all of their heartache. In fact, in the story of the Gospel of John that we just heard, we read that Jesus began to weep. Now, one might expect that Jesus like his friends Martha and Mary, was saddened by the death of his friend Lazarus. It is interesting to note, however, from some biblical commentaries, that Jesus wept not for his friend Lazarus. Biblical scholar Gary Berg writes that Jesus was overcome by the futility of this sorrowful scene in light of the reality of the resurrection. God's people possess knowledge of life. They should possess a faith that claims victory at the grave. But there they stand, overcome in seeming defeat. Now, I can appreciate there is great tension between the ultimate despair of death and the boundless hope of resurrection. And so I suggest that it then becomes our faith in Jesus Christ that allows us to manage this tension and cling to a sense of comfort and hope knowing that God is present with us in our suffering. God weeps with us in our sorrow. Likewise, I suggest that it becomes our recognition of Emmanuel's hovering presence in our daily lives that affords us a great source of comfort and hope. And for God's presence, I am eternally grateful. You see, there is a connection between gratitude and our sense of comfort and hope. I mean, who isn't thankful for God's presence and God's provision of comfort and hope in our lives? We are all taught to offer thanks to the Lord in our prayers. And we see time and time again that Jesus offers his thanks to God the Father. We note that just before Jesus performed this miracle of returning Lazarus to life, what did Jesus do? He looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. For many of us, we give thanks to the Lord for all things, even though we may not immediately understand or appreciate them. Yet, 
it is quite difficult for anyone to give thanks for sadness, sorrow, or hopelessness. And I'm not advocating that we should be grateful for such things, especially in the moment. But what I am suggesting is that with an inherent attitude of gratitude, we may see and experience such sadness and sorrow and hopelessness with an entirely different perspective. Might it be worthwhile to consider that the experience of our despair might one day make us a better person or perhaps even become a blessing to someone else in their sense of hopelessness. Well, this is hard in the moment. How often have we looked back to find some goodness that flourished among the despair? The Apostle Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans, let us also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And in his letter to the Thessalonians, Paul prompts us to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I say, such gratitude is healthy for the soul. Numerous studies have shown that people who focus on gratitude have better health outcomes mentally, spiritually, and physically. Gratitude is kind of like that smell of freshly baked bread. You know, when it comes right out of the oven and it makes the house smell so, so good. But after a while, that delicious, warm scent fades from our awareness unless we leave the room and come back again. In order to keep gratitude in our awareness, we have to look around. We have to notice and remind ourselves of all the little blessings in our lives. Scripture can help us focus on gratitude. There are a number of passages we can study And here is one of my favorites. Paul offers this message to the Corinthians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. And while gratitude can help us to maintain a healthy attitude, it's ultimately our faith that fortifies our comfort and hope. Jesus said to Mary, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? During his prayer, Jesus said to God, I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. We go on to read that many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in Him. But what about those who never witnessed any of Jesus' miracles? Or never met Jesus, for that matter? What did Jesus have to say 
about those people. Later in the Gospel of John, we will read just what Jesus thinks about this faith in his dialogue with Thomas. Thomas, who we all know as Doubting Thomas. You may remember this famous quote. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I take great comfort in believing that our hope is secured in the gospel. Walter Ruegerman writes in A Gospel of Hope, Hope in gospel faith is not just a vague feeling that things will work out, for it is evident that things will not work out. Rather, hope is the conviction against a great deal of data that God is tenacious and persistent in overcoming the deathliness of the world, that God intends joy and peace. Christians find compelling evidence in the story of Jesus that Jesus, with great persistence and great vulnerability everywhere he went, turned the enmity of society towards a new possibility, turned the sadness of the world toward joy, introduced a new regime where the dead are raised, the lost are found, and the displaced are brought home again. Friends, as we leave here today, let us take with us God's comfort and hope. Let us acknowledge that God is in control and let us surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. Our expectations should be realistic. Our understanding of the presence of God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in our suffering should be genuine. Our gratitude for God's presence in our lives should be persistent and our faith in the triune God should be steadfast. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.